I want to set this up tonight um, for what we're going to be talking about. And I want to make something real clear as far as a perspective of where my head is and where we're coming from. I know in this room there are three categories of guys. There's guys that have been through hard times, guys that are going through hard times, or guys that are about to go through hard times in some way, shape, or form. In some way, shape, or form, we all have that kind of experience with life. We're having that kind of experience, or we are about to have that kind of experience in the future. And what I want to do tonight, I just want to be sensitive to that. And I, I, I want to address a real need tonight, something that's you can sink your teeth into and you can take it with you that will, if, you're, if you've been through it, if you're going through it, or you're about to go through it, it is, it is a perspective of reality that will allow you and me to look at it just a little differently than maybe we have in the past. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And to do that, I need you to do a real simple thing for me. On the back of your table notes, there's at the bottom of that is, is, a, is kind of a blank spot. I'd like for you to, if you could do, if you could do this, is take your pen and draw a square around the border of that blank spot. Okay, when you've done that, let me we'll give you a couple seconds for that. This is not art class, so don't worry about it being right. And then after that, somewhere in that square, I want you to put a dot. And then I want you to hold it up and look at it. What do you see? Yeah, some of you have been through this before, so you cheated. You know where I'm going with this thing. I was, I, I, most folks, when they look at that, they hold it up and they see a dot, right? And that as you look in that dot, you know, that's what you see. But what is the most, what's the majority of that thing in your sight? It's the square. It's the, it's the, it's the paper that it's on. But yet we will look at that and we would see just the dot. And now... The only difference, if I were to look at all your dots at this point, about the only difference in the dots is some of you have little bitty dots and some of you have a little bigger dot. Some of you made a bigger mark on there. It's just the size of your dot. Now, I want you to keep the size of your dot, that concept in mind for the rest of the night as we go through what we're talking about here. I was a guy <clears throat> who believed I had a big dot. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of known to be a big thinker. I'm kind of known to be kind of a visionary I, and, 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 and to dream and, and believe that we can do really big things. And, and I, I, I am. I, I, I believe that was, is, a, is something God gave me to be and do, and I, I hold that proudly. And along the way, God's done some pretty cool things and such. And I was pretty comfortable with my vision. I was pretty comfortable with my ability to, to, to see beyond you know, the, what most could and see what could be. I was very comfortable with that until just very recently. Because what I discovered was I just had a bigger dot than most people. But it was still a dot in the middle of something much bigger. On December the 14th of last year, I was going through my personal study and 
this is probably too much information, but I like to do it first thing in the morning. And, um, and, you know, I get the coffee going, and I've got this thing for my bed, and I sit there, and I'm able, I, I use my phone for Blue Letter Bible for word study. I, but I do the whole thing there on my bed in the mornings. Don't forget about the picture. Don't keep that picture out of your head. But I like to do it then, and, and God and I have some good conversations during that time. I love that period of time. But this is December the 14th. Like, look at my Bible. I, I notated it. And I was having this personal study. And how many of you have ever, when you've gone through your Bible study, have pinged upon a verse and you just knew that was for you? Ever, ever had that experience? Okay, some of you have. That morning, I've had that before, but that morning, that's what happened to me. It was a verse that I just knew. God said, that, that, that is for you today. And let me read that verse to you. It's in, out of Joel chapter, chapter 2. And, and it says, be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former reign faithfully. I went, yeah, God's always been faithful. And he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain, by this time I'm starting to wonder what's going on here, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat. The vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow. That is what it says there. And I'm looking at that and going, I know that's for me. I'm sitting here on December the 14th. Something's going to happen in January. It's going to be the first month. The latter rain, he's been faithful with that former rain, and God always had been, but this latter rain was going to come, and with that latter rain was going to be bounty and harvest and, 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 and really cool stuff. And I was kind of excited about that, and I was looking at my dot thinking, okay, that dot's coming true. This, this big dot I was always focused on, my vision, my dreams, my... I knew it was for me. I knew it was for me because it seemed just to fit. That month of January is the 30th anniversary of, of, of my pig pen experience in life. 30 years prior to that, I had begun to pray as I was coming out of the pig pen as a prodigal son, and I was, as I was coming out of that, I began this journey with God. It was 30 years in the making. Can you understand what I'm saying, guys? Not 30 seconds, not 30, not 30 days, 30 years. And through that 30 years, there were some highs. There were some lows. Some of those lows were hell on earth. Homelessness. The death of my son. And on it went. And then some of those highs were beyond my, what I believe could happen at that time. And that's what helped make my dot bigger. But it was 30 years where that never quite turned the corner. And I'm reading this verse on December the 14th, and somehow I know that in January of this year, that was going to change. I didn't know the details, but because I have such a big dot, I kind of had an idea of what this might look like. And guys, I'm here to tell you tonight, <laughs> I was wrong. I mean, I wasn't just a little bit wrong. I was way wrong. Let me tell you why. Because of what happened after this text. We go into verse 25. Because God goes on. He's talking to Joel. He says, not only will I give you the latter rain. 
And this is what just knocked me out of my bed. So, at that time, I will restore to you the years, the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts, the great army which I sent among you. Have you ever felt... You ever felt like you just couldn't take it anymore? It just kept coming at you, no matter what it was in life. I mean, you're in a situation, and you're down in the bottom of that hole, and you're trying to dig yourself out, and you put in one shovel of dirt out the hole and um, to try to dig yourself out of the hole. Somebody's putting dirt back in the hole, and you just can't get out. You ever been there, and you feel like, well, this happened. Well, that got it. That's it. Oh, no, no, then something else hits you. Then the next thing hits you. Then it just over and over and over until you're punch drunk. And wonder how you're going to get through the next day. How, has anybody other than me ever been there? I know I have. But Doug, you know, here is Doug. And I'm, I'm studying the word and I'm going, all right, God, all right. You're going to restore to me the years. That last 30 years, you're going to restore that to me. My, I always call it, with my wife and I, we call that my, my third 30. Because thanks to Zach, everybody knows here that I'm 60 years old. Thanks, Zach. So I'm in my third 30, and he's going to restore to me the 30 years. And I'm thinking, all right, God, I'm all over that. But I didn't really believe he could restore everything. Because my son's dead. How do you restore that? How do you restore that lost relationship? How do you restore all of that? So what I believed was God was saying, I'm going to restore the years locusts have eaten, have eaten except... Because my dot was not big enough to include that. But I knew this was for me. And what was about to happen to me, God was about to give me a peek into his bigness. He was about to give me a peek into the infinity of options, the infinity of potential, the infinity of, of the things that God can do. I knew this was for me. In the book of Numbers, we find Moses. He had been through he, the ten plagues with Pharaoh. He had been through getting the folks out, of, getting the Israel out of Egypt. He'd, all the miracles and everything else. And they come to this point in Numbers chapter 11 where the people of Israel are complaining to Moses because they want meat. They've been eating this stuff called manna, but they want meat. And they're complaining because they don't have meat. And, and Moses is, 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 is upset with them. He said, God, what are we going to do with these people? I'm so sick and tired. Moses is finally getting tired of all their complaining going on. Okay? I don't know if you ever get tired of complaining. I do. Moses, I, I, if I'd been in Moses' shoes, I would have been, been tired of their complaining a long time before then. But at this point, they're complaining because they want meat. And God says, okay, I'll give you meat. And Moses, who'd been through the ten, the ten plagues, who had held the, the rod over the Red Sea and it parted, and, and, and all the stuff that God had done with Moses says, no, you're not. But how are you going to do that? How are you going to give this three million people meat? I mean, you couldn't do it. There's, there's no way you can do it. It's impossible. You could use all the fish in the sea and all the, you're going to gather them all together? And God's response is classic. And he said to Moses in verse 23 of Numbers chapter 11, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you, will, you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. 
Doug said to God, God, I've seen you be faithful in this. I've seen you be faithful in my marriage. I've seen you be faithful in my finances. I've seen you be faithful in my health. I've seen you be faithful in all these areas, and, 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 I, and I, I believe that's going to be the case, and, and so you've been faithful in that. This latter rain that's coming along, I know you're going to be faithful in that, and, and it's, going to be, it's going to be a much bigger dot because of what you do. You're bigger than me, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes, God, to this restoring those years the locusts have eaten, you can't do that. I got a peek in January of this year of just how long God's arm is. The latter rain came. It's amazing fulfillment beyond my imagination. But he has also restored the impossible. See, guys, it was never about how big my dot was in the square. It's always been about how big and how long God's arm is. We're going to talk about that tonight. Because tonight I'm here to tell you that because of Jesus, thinking that the sky is the limit is short-sighted. sky is not the limit. It's just the beginning. I may have trouble getting through parts of this because this is very personal to me. So I hope you won't tell the girls that if I start to cry a little bit, don't tell them that because i got to be a man and I don't want it to be that kind of way. But, guys, this is important to me. I hope I'm able to communicate what God communicated to me. I want to first talk about the vastness of deity. I want to answer the question, just how much potential does God really have today? In Isaiah chapter 55, God makes a very clear point. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is saying very clearly, guys, that I don't care how big your dot is. There is no way you can make a dot big enough to contain what God can do. We have bought into, as a church, we have bought into the lie that somehow this stuff, this reality here limits God. That somehow this takes precedent over the almighty God of creation. Somehow we've bought into that, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, because there's something I almost bet in everybody's heart right now that, well, maybe not this. God, yeah, I get this over here, but I'm not sure about this here. Because we bought into that lie. It's a lie of Satan that somehow this trumps that. The ability God has, the length of his arm is beyond us, or to put it a different way, where we stop at our best, guys, God is just getting started. It's that one more step. It's the, it's the, the imagination that you may want to come up just whatever option and, and solution and that you would come up with that seems maybe absolutely ridiculous, but you can at least imagine it. 
God's one step further. I want that to sink in. Because I know if you're like me, every one of us have come to these, these, these times in our life when, when we're, we're, we're really having a hard time. And through that, and, we're, and, and, and if we can even pray at that point, I know sometimes that's even hard to do, but if we can even pray at that point, we're just really struggling. And as we get to that point, part of us starts to say, boy, if only this. If only, if only, and we start to imagine what the solution might be. That would be the solution that we need. Well, if I only, you know, I, I need I need $100. I need $1,000. So if I could only just have that $1,000, if I could pay that bill, or, or if it's the healing, or whatever it is. I'm telling you right now, what you're doing is defining your dot, how big your dot is. And God is saying, I don't care how imaginative you are. I'm that next step. Beyond, as high as the heavens are above the earth, are his thoughts and his ways above ours. But the word heavens in there, we've talked about this a couple months ago. <laughs> He's not talking about the clouds, guys. No, that's just the sky. The word heaven, the concept that is in that word is that the universe itself that we can't even comprehend the size of, that is so vast. God is saying, if you go to the edge of the universe compared to where this is, that's how much bigger I think. My arm has not shortened. Gentlemen, I don't know what you're dealing with in life, but that's a lot of options. That's a lot of things that can happen if we just learn to trust the God of creation that says, trust me, take that step. Quit looking at the stinking dots and look at God. Now, he goes further. In Ephesians 3.20, Paul kind of refers to this. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Two things, guys. First of all, exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Ask big. When you are praying, when you're going to God for things, make big requests. Because he said to dream, ask big. But here's something that's really cool. This is not about trying to reach out into the cosmos and pull down some cool answers. It's the power that works in us. Gentlemen, God has placed it within each and every one of us through Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for our, our lives the same spirit and the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. It is that power that accesses that bigger. We don't have to live and walk in mediocrity. It is not in our DNA as children of God. God has said, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. And oh, by the way, I do it through the power I've already put in you. Where the natural world stops, where this stuff that we live and breathe and we get so used to, where it stops, 
is where we, guys, in Christ, get started. Otherwise, what makes us any different than anyone else in the world? When we have the hardships and, oh, we're just... Oh, feeling I'm, our identity is our is our disease. Our identity is our divorce. Our identity is our finances. Our identity is all that kind of stuff. No, our identity is in Christ, and that way that is distributed through the rest of the world. So what they see is what Christ in you, the hope of glory, can accomplish. And that's thinking bigger. Get off the dots. God loves it when we give Him the opportunity to show up and show off in our lives. Because he gets glory for that. That's how God gets glory. We need to pray for bigger. You know I like the, you know, the guy Jabez in, in First Chronicles. I'm going to read this real quick. Well, I can quote it I've, so many times. It says, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and that you would expand my borders, that your hand would be with me. And that you would keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. Now, let me just summarize what Jabez was praying for. Because Jabez was praying for bigger. Jabez was saying, Lord, the real blessing in life for me, and it's not just blessing, but bless me indeed. I mean, oh, super bless me. You know what would super bless me, God? And God says, no, what, Jabez? I made that up. No, what, Jabez? And Jabez says, that you put me someplace that's so big, I will fail unless you are there. Gentlemen, quit being safe. Quit being safe. Be a Jabez. You want to be in a situation like I am at this very moment up here, that I will fail unless God's hand is with me. The prayer is that Jabez is saying, put me in this situation where I will fail unless you are with me. And the next part says, oh, and by the way, don't let me mess it up. Keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. In other words, Jabez is saying, God, if it's up to me, I'm going to screw it up. But but God, if it's up to you, I can't fail. I can't quit. I can't lose. Jabez was thinking bigger. When we believe in God's ability we stop just trying to fill our borders. Some of us will take that square and we'll, what we're thinking so far is, well, my, my dot should have just filled the entire square because those are my borders. No. We start stretching to fill God's borders. And God's borders are as high as the heavens are above the earth. God's borders are exceedingly abundant beyond anything we can ask or dream of. Those are God's borders. And guys, the only way you are able to navigate those borders is if he is with you. And you don't do that in the middle of the crisis for the first time. I mean, you can. And some of you tonight are going to have to do that because you haven't done it ahead of time. You've got to play catch-up in the crisis. But what I encourage you is to do it now, before the crisis, so that when things come your way, you are prepared. You've got gas in the tank to keep going forward. You've got money in the, in the spiritual bank that you can spend during that crisis. God is saying, I've got these bigger borders for you. I've got these bigger dreams for you. I've got these bigger things for you. Fill them. You might say, well, Doug, that sounds good for you. I can't really see that working for me. I know in this room right now, there are some, some of you are kind of thinking that. Oh, that really sounds pie in the sky. 
I used to be that, by the way. It doesn't, it doesn't really work for me. You don't know what I'm up against. You're right, I don't. <laughs> but I know what I was up against. And gentlemen, this is not a competition. <laughs> but I would put what I dealt with in the last 30 years against any of you. And God was faithful. It didn't happen overnight. <laughs> 30 years is a long, long time. But God was faithful. But sometimes it's important to understand what I would call the validity of God's declaration. So I want to talk about the promise of bigger. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, God says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Let me read that again. And you guys look and see how many times it says shall. Not might, not I hope so. It says, so shall my word be that goes forth in my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. And Hebrews 6, chapter, eight, chapter 6, verse 18 says why the shalls are in there. It says because it's impossible for God to lie. Gentlemen, you have a choice to make. When it comes to the promises of God and the things that God has said, you've got to decide, is God a liar or does he tell the truth? And so many of us look at our dots and live our lives as if God is lying. He goes this big, but no bigger. Not for me. No, not for me. Maybe for you, but not for me. But God says, when I speak, when I say something, when it's, when it's my word, I don't lie. Who's the liar? John 8, 44. Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He says, for you are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Not a little bit. There is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus is saying, if Satan's mouth is moving, he's lying. God never lies. Satan always lies. That the very thing that keeps us from expanding our dot beyond the borders is that we're just not sure God's going to come through. He either will or he's a liar. And guys, I'm just, let me, he's not. God is not a liar. If you've been through the stuff I've lived through, or some of the, if I've been through some of the stuff you guys have lived through, and, you know, you're thinking, well, you know, if you, for 30 minutes or for 30 days or for 30 months, you know, lasting 30 years, this is not pat myself on the back because I didn't do it very well in different portions of that 30 years. I had my ups and my downs. But there was always this one thing that kept coming back to me. God said it. And if God said it, do I really believe it? And there came a time in my life 
where I made the decision in that 30 years, I didn't care what happened. I was never going to doubt God. And Satan attacked that, that, that commitment over and over again. Well, I stand before you here tonight testifying to the faithfulness of God. The God who never lies. Let me review real quick here before we go further. We have a God that thinks bigger than we are, than we do. That power to do is bigger than us, but it's also in us. Thirdly, he never lies. Fourthly, the enemy always lies. So I want to take you through a little exercise here about how do we answer the enemy when we hear him speak. Because, guys, if we understand, if we hear something in our head that's contrary to what God said, we have to make a decision. Who are we going to believe? So when the enemy says, when you're trying to pray for blessings and you're trying to believe God to be who he says and that God it will be there for you and, and he will, he'll, he'll be your, 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 your support and your supply, all the things God said, and the enemy says, who do you think you are? You've heard us talk about that before? The enemy says, who do you think you are? Don't you remember when you did this or when you did that? All the things. He starts parading all that stuff in front of you. Who do you think you are? How dare you ask the God of heaven to help you? But God says, I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm an heir and co-heir with Jesus. Gentlemen, how dare the enemy say that to us we think about how awesome God is and we want to interact with God and the enemy says again why would he do that with you He's un you're undeserving and he begins to remind you of those things and God says you know what you know what I look at you I look at you, I look at you, I look at you, I look at you, and when I see you, I see Jesus. Because of what Jesus did, Jesus made us, individually, everyone who, is, who claims Christ as our Lord and Savior, he made us the righteousness of God. He sees us as perfect. He sees us as pure. He sees us as his children. And he sees us as those who do deserve his blessings. And so when we hear we don't, that is the lie from the pit of hell. When God is saying, <laughs> I value you. Or, or, the, or the, there's a challenge ahead of you. There's a, and, there's, and you're trying to get through the day-to-day -day slog. You get to the edge of your, of your dot, and you've got to get further, and it's tough, and you're struggling through it. And what you're hearing is, you don't have what it takes. That job's too big for you. And God says, oh, really? Remember what I told you? <laughs> the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in you. Gentlemen, I'm pretty sure that you've got the power that rose Jesus from the dead living in you right now. you got what it takes. There's not much that, or if anything, that can over... Oh, wait, wait, that's right. We are more than conquerors. Right, gentlemen? That is exactly why. We need to listen to the guy who tells the truth and not the guy who tells the law. 
You can't stand up. You're going to fail. You'll lose what you already have. It's, good. it's not, it's not going to last. You know, I'm, you know, and so you got to begin to worry about those things. And then when a guy says, you know what, you know, no weapon formed against you is going to stand. 10,000 will, fo- will fall at your right and your left. That's what God says about you. That's the truth. But yet we walk believing too many times the liar or you're sick. You'll never get well. You're always going to feel like this when God says, you know what? My son went to the cross. And I told you, both in the Old Testament, remind you in the New Testament, that by his strife you have been healed. That is what God said. And the, liars, and, and the liar will tell you, oh, no, that, that's true from others, but it's not true for you. And God says, no. I paid that price, my son on the cross, to do two things. Save you from sin and sickness. I'm trying to give you a peek into the bigger. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to get your eyes off the dot. And think about it this way. This hit me tonight. I just typed it in before we started. Jesus lived in the bigger. Didn't he? Think about it. When he was on this earth, we look at the, at the Gospels, the four Gospels, that we, and we read about his earthly ministry, which, by the way, um, are, I believe are the case for grace, and that's a whole other discussion. But it's also the, the model of ministry that, that he expects us to then do the same kinds of thing. In fact, he said not only would we do the same kind of things, we could do more because we live in the bigger. But Jesus lived in the bigger, and he walked on water. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He fed the 5,000. Jesus lived in the bigger, and his life was characterized a little differently than you and me, right? He, he, he was able to tap into something much bigger. Now, I get it. He was Jesus. He was God. I, I get all that. But, gentlemen, for crying out loud, we are men of God. We stand in our gates. We stand in our gates for our marriages. We stand in our gates for our families. We stand in our gates at our jobs for our soccer teams. Wherever you have influence, wherever you have um, a a responsibility, those are our gates. And as we stand in their gates, are we going to be mediocre men of God or are we going to stand there and do what everybody else says is impossible? Are we going to stand up and say, I believe God. I believe that he said was true. I can save my marriage. I can save my family. We can, I can influence my job and my work. I can do all things through who? Christ, who strengthens me. Yeah. Just get a little quiet in there. You kind of scared me. What can we do? What could we do? What can we do as a church if every gatekeeper did that in their gates? What can we do as a church if this church were to do that? I, I hearken back to Sunday. Guys, how many here were, were here on Sunday? Okay, holy cow. Gary was on fire, wasn't he? But what he said was absolutely true. Absolutely true. When it comes to taking God's word and saying, God, you know what? Funny thing, I'm just going to believe you. I'm, I know, Lord, it may not happen overnight, 30 years, but I'm going to believe you. I think that's the best sermon I've ever heard Gary preach. He's preached some awesome ones. 
but it was one for our church at this time. What could happen, guys, if we as, as a group of guys took this seriously and lived in the bigger? Because whatever the enemy says is big, you know, the financial issues, the marriage issues, the health issues, it's not. He just wants to keep you focused on the dot. If God says he's got this, he's got it. And because his power works in us, so can we. Whatever tonight you think is big or too big, it's not. And across this room right now, I, don't, I know there are things in some of your lives that seem overwhelming, too big. Guys, let me, I'm trying to get you to peek into the bigger because when you peek into the bigger, you discover it's not. It may be for a time, but that time will pass and God will be faithful to bring that latter rain. He will be faithful to restore those years the locusts have eaten. So I want to encourage you, even during those times, put yourself in positions where you will fail unless God is with you. Because as God's kids, we can dream bigger dreams. We can pray bigger prayers. We can have bigger aspirations. We can have miraculous solutions. Our businesses can thrive when it doesn't look like they're going to thrive. Our marriages can thrive when they don't thrive. I can make that list on and on. I can keep driving that into the ground. But guys, it comes down to one thing. If this is all true, how do you handle it? And what we would call, and Joel called in chapter 3, the valley of decision. Those of you who are around here for the, for the first season of Man to Man, there's a point where one of the messages I taught, I had these half pipes here in the front. We were talking about David and Goliath and how in the valley was where the giant was. Israel was on one side, and the rest of the, of, the, of, the, of the opposing army was on this side. The Philistine army was on this side. We talked about how David looked at that giant and looked at Israel's army and had disgust for both. Because his thing was, we've got God. What's the deal, guys? Why haven't you taken this idiot out? We've got God. Oh, no, no, he's, he's too big. He's, he's a giant. We can't do that. And so David did it. Because David had made a decision before he got in the valley. He's going to trust God. But sometimes when you're already in the valley, you've just got to stop and make the decision. I know it looks bad, but I'm going to trust God. It's the valley of decision. David in Psalm chapter 27 knew this thing. He said in verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We believe the lie of the enemy that says, oh yeah, you might see God's goodness in heaven. That may come later on, but you're, 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 you don't have it. You're, you're, you're just screwed when it comes to life. It's over. It's, not gonna, it's never going to be what you want it to be. Just give up now. But that's not what David believed. The guy that killed the giant said, I believed 
that I'm going to see God's goodness in this life, that the promises of God are for this life. I'm not going to quit on this life because God said, you're going to have this in this life. I believe that's what's going to David believed that. And so in my view, yeah, he did kill Goliath. He killed the giant. But you know why? The giant meant nothing. He was going after the rest of the Philistine army. That's who he was after. And all the spoil and everything else, that's what David was after. And then he just got past this giant. Gentlemen, we all face those. But you've got to make a decision in the valley. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe God, who cannot lie, or Satan, who cannot tell the truth? We're going to talk about that tonight. Before we do that, I'd like to pray. Because what I've been asking the Spirit to do and, and, and for it to happen tonight was to do something I know I can't do. This, literally, this message for me was to move into something that is so big I would fail unless God was there. And here's why. How do I describe to you infinity? How do I, how do I paint the picture to you of infinite possibility? How do I prove to you that in, there's no such thing as M? possibility I can't I cannot do that I don't have the words for that I don't have I, I, I can't do the jumping jacks for it I, I don't have what it takes as a human being to be able to do that with my words and my teaching tonight but I'm doing it anyway because this is God's job and gentlemen he gave me a peek into it and it changes everything Everything about how I look at the valleys, everything about how I look at the trials. It's to the point where now I'm almost I'm embracing them because I know that on the other side of those giants is, oh my gosh, it's way bigger than my dots. And it's my prayer tonight that the Spirit is giving you peaks and maybe a little bit of hope in whatever situation you're dealing with. that the result is going to be amazing if you just trust God. So let's pray. Lord, you know what I've prayed about up to this point. You know what, what my heart has been, personally, to share. To share somehow a piece of what you showed me about the ultimate and awesomeness of the incomprehensible potential that you've given because you are God. And you've promised that to us. You've promised that to us. And you cannot lie. So Lord, my prayer right now for every man in this room is that we quit looking at the dots. Lord, open our eyes beyond the boxes, beyond the borders, Lord. May we all pray tonight. May we all pray tonight, Lord, that you would expand our borders you move us into those places that we will fail unless you are with us. And Lord, right now there are men in this room who are already in those places. They're already in the place of failure unless you show up. And Lord, give them a peak. Give them a peak, Jesus. Give them that kind of encouragement so, Lord, they won't quit. 
they will stick with you, that they will trust you, that they will tell the liar to go back to hell where he belongs. I keep focusing on you. Lord, this is probably, in my, in my view, one of the most important concepts I've been trying to communicate to the men in three years. To understand the bigger. To live in the bigger. This is not a Tony Robbins encouragement speech, Lord. This is a way for us to be overcomers about what really matters, Lord. And so I'm, 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 I'm thanking you right now that as I'm even praying, that, Lord, you're opening the eyes of men in this room to understand they don't have to lose. They don't have to quit. They don't have to be defeated, Lord, but we are more than conquerors because you said so. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.